even walk without you holding my hand. I'm aware of everything that's wrong. Accept me anyway. I live with the past, I can't get past, and that still haunts me. So I'm asking for the courage to make me change. And by your grace, I have hope. I've already paid every debt I. Take my chains and make me see And by your grace I've been set free Teach me, Lord, to seek you day by day. Let only you define just where I stand. Let me not take you for granted all the depths of your forgiveness. Because the only way I'm going to be a better man is by your grace. I have hope You've already paid Every did I Take these chains And make me see That by your grace I've been set free And I got a long way to go The step I'm gonna take, and you're not with me. I got a long way to go, but Lord, I know there's not a step I'm gonna take, that you're not with me. I got a long way to go, but Lord, I know there's not a step I'm gonna take. You're not with me. I know you're with me. And by your grace, I have hope. I've already paid every debt I owe. Take my chance and make me see. And by your grace. By your grace, I've been set free. It was a life filled with heinous desperation, without hope, walked the shell of a man. Then a hand with a nail print stretched downward. Just one touch, and a new life began. And the old rugged cross made the difference in a life. Bound to heartache and defeat. I will praise him forever and ever. For the cross made the difference for me.
echoed hoarseness and anger. Little feet ran in terror to hide. Now those walls ring with love, warmth, and laughter. Since the giver of life moved inside And the old rugged cross made the difference In a life bound for heartache and defeat I will praise Him forever and ever For the cross made the difference for me There's a room filled with sad, ashen faces Without hope Death has wrapped them in gloom And at the sight of the saint there's rejoicing For life can't be sealed in a tomb And the old rugged cross made the difference in the life bound for heartache and defeat I will praise Him forever and ever for the cross made the difference to me I will praise Him forever and ever For the cross made the difference for me All right. How's everybody doing? You know, it's good that we can let our pastor have time off and, and spend time with his family and we have people in this church that can step up and fill this. And just a quick story is I was hoping Sammy would have, since he was the first to respond, that he would have taken it instead of me. But, you know, I got a little prod from Jesus and saying, no, no it's you. So uh, I waited a little bit before I responded, and I said, no, I got this. So, um, so hopefully today what I have for you is going to be good. Um, the title, I'll go ahead and give you the title, is Why Is It So Hard... To be a Christian. And, and you know, Sam, we were just talking in the back is, you know, today just, you know, this whole week just seemed like everything flew and I got nothing done. So, you know, th things like that happen and, you know, Sam was like, no, I got, I, things flew and I got lots of stuff done. So it goes both ways. But uh, since Amber already gave the praise report on there, I'll just give a little joke. I always tell her that, you know, if you've ever seen Young Frankenstein, that Igor went and got the brain Abby Normal. That's always tease her with, is that she's Abby Normal. But uh, no, I'll tell you what, that Friday was a sleepless night for me, even though I was in the bed. Because, you know, the last time we went in for a CTA scan, we were in the hospital. So it was great to hear that when she got in there, because it was, what, 15, 20 minutes, she was back in there, and she says, no, nope, everything's good. Five, ten minutes later, the doctor already had posted his things and everything looked good, so she's good. So we were, we were there. So, um, so why is it hard to be a Christian? We don't know, right? You know, some people say, no, it's not hard, and some people do say hard. So uh, what I'm going to talk about is it's a perspective thing, just like they look at us as a perspective. And I think we have it wrong. A lot of us think, you know, it, you know when, when you put it out there, it's supposed to be his will we should be following and not our own will. And a lot of times I, I talk about a permissive will versus his perfect will. 
he allows a permissive will because we have good intentions when we do it, but it's still not his perfect will. You know? So we have, to, we have to kind of do that. You know, we have to kind of watch, you know, because I'm very analytical. I'll tell you that right now. I'm, I'm, I have a puzzle brain. I love puzzles. I love things like that. So I'm always like, you know, let's do it this way. If this don't work, I've got this way. And if that one don't work, I've got this way. You know, God says, no, I got the way. And that should be it, but I still have A, B, C, D, and however many I need to get a hold to. But if you look at today's society, they have gone out to desensitize America. There, we have exposure to foul language, violence, sexual situa situations in our faces every day. I mean, if you look at TV today, oh my gosh, I mean... Growing up, I, you know, I used to watch Leave it to Beaver and all that kind of stuff, and that stuff was not what they show now. Now they show stuff, and, you know, you're wondering, it's like, how they get away with it? But, you know, our everyday living has started rapidly declining right before our own eyes, and most of us have fallen in the trap. So one of the things I want to let you do today is Romans 3.23. One of the pastor's favorite ones, and I like it too, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're not perfect. We're, you know, hopefully you don't claim to be perfect. Don't, don't set a pedestal for yourself. We had one perfect life in this lifetime that, that did it, um, and he even struggled with it. But, you know, as long as we're striving to be that way, I think, you know, that perfection will be in time, and then when we get to our heavenly bodies, we will have the perfection that we need. Um, one of the things I want to look at is, you know, what does society say Christian is? And, and I refer to a lot of it, um, if you've ever seen the Jesus Revolution that came out, uh, Greg Laurie, I've heard Greg Laurie before in AT&T Stadium, and I would have never thought that he was that way coming up into that. You know, I didn't know much about him then. But they think we're the Bible-thumping, hell-sending, do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do hypocrites. That's what they think we are. Because they think, we, you know, some people say we're holier than thou and all that kind of stuff. So they have a perception of what a Christian is. And we have to change that. Um, you know, if you looked, if you saw the Jesus Revolution... You know, when he brought them into the church, you know, the churchgoers there in their suits and ties and everything else said, oh, no, they can't be in church. But everybody needs to be in church. You know, we need to, we need to have change that um, Christian thought that they think we are to the, to, to the Christians that we ought to be. And like I said, it's that perception that, that I was looking at. And we need to start making real changes in the world. So I've got questions that I'm going to go through, and then I've got some keys that we're going to, we're going to talk about here. And then here's some questions that most, most Christians ask. Is why doesn't God make life of a Christian easy? And was Jesus' life easy? No. He had to walk it every day. Even, even through his walk through the desert, the devil tempted him through the desert. Now, I, you know, how hard was it? I don't know. I mean, we, we read the parables, but I mean, you know, I'm thinking he walked through the desert. So that, number one, that's already hard enough as it is. And then to go without food and all that stuff for, I think it was, what, 40 days? So, I mean, there, there's life situations that we go through, and it wasn't easy. It says, even his hometown did not believe him. So he left his hometown to go spread the word. It says, if you look at his life, his walk, by example, was easy because of what he believed. Everything he turned to, he says, I'm about my father's business. And that's what made his walk easier because he knew what was expected of him. And it was getting others to understand that he is the way, he's our Messiah, the king of prophecy. But everybody expected a king like King David, King Saul, or King Solomon. You know, they were big men. You know, even David was small at the time, but he was still fairly large. But you, you read in the Bible, they talked about wars and these, these leaders that were, you know, that's what they were expecting was these leaders to come in and just conquer the world for the Israelites. And that's not what he came, came to do. 
and I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. Um, so one of the things we need to do is we need to separate ourselves from the world. That's the devil's domain. You know, he's been, he was cast down here. He has domain down here. This is the culture we see in America has progressively changed concerning life, humanity, gender roles, and our children. He says, our country may have been founded on Christian principles, but our country is no longer eager to put God first. So I, wanted to, I got two long scriptures. I, I didn't want to really use some super long ones, but I think these are, are particularly for ours. Is in 2 Timothy 3, 2 through 5. It says, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure, pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness and denying its power, have nothing to do with these people. That's what God said. Have nothing new. And if you look at our society today, that's it. They, they are going. And in John 15, 18 through 25, Jesus talks about, he says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will also obey yours. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates the Father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my Father. But this is to fulfill what is written in the law. They hated me without reason. So they even hung him on the cross to crucify him. And he still come out there, and even all the miracles. So, I, you know, I think back into, you know, that time frame of, you know, I always say, you know, I don't belong in this, this century. I'm, I'm an old soul and things. But um, we have little cards that we do um, at our house that my daughter likes to do out. And, it's, you know, they ask you a little question. And one of them was, is, you know, where would you go back in the past to, to, to see? You know, what would you do? And I thought, you know, what I said was, you know, hey, I'd like to see Jesus walking on water or, or some of the things that he did, you know, because that would just, you know, I would think, you know, you're seeing the miracles, you're seeing this stuff happen, that, that my faith would be just like abounding. A, a but even Peter denied him. You know, you would think, I, we've seen all this stuff. Why can't I just say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian? Because they were getting persecuted, getting killed. Paul killed them. Until he got converted. One other things is, as God said, love one another. We don't see a whole lot of that, but I look at it as the golden rule, do, as, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But it, the greatest one I like is Matthew 22, 37 through 40. And, I always, and we taught kids back when we were in the children's ministry that, you know, yeah, there is the Ten Commandments, but God came, uh, Jesus came out and said there's two main ones. And it wraps them all up in, into the Ten Commandments. It says, love the Lord your God with all your whole heart and all your soul and all your mind. That's the first four. And it says, then love the neighbor as yourself. That's the, the next six. So if you follow those, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, you, you pretty much cover everything that he has. And then, you know, if you're loving your neighbor as yourself, then you're not going to lie. You're not going to covet. You're not going to be adulterous. So, you know, those things. And it says all the laws and the prophet hang on these two commandments. And, I, and like I said, I think those are my favorite of those. Uh, but um, the next one is God gives us confidence, strength, and peace. Now, these are not the keys. I'm just saying this is why Christians are asking these questions. Um, in 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. So he is there with this. And in Hebrews 13, 5 through 6, he says, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. 
So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. So, you know, we got we to gotta start changing that, that mentality because number my next one is the world is laziness, gluttony, swearing, anger, envy, self-centered, materialism, covetousness, and intimacy issues because everything has been perverted from the liar. And in Galatians 5, 19 through 21, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and all these things. And that's, that's, that's in Galatians that he talks about this. And as, like I said, if you, if you look at our world, that, that self-centered, materialistic, you know, I've got to have it now, microwave society, uh, I don't care who I step on to get there, as long as I get what I get, I, you know, I'm, I'm due. And, and you can see it now more into our children these days is they think that they have to have everything that they say they, they're supposed to have. And, you know, and that's, that's where the parenting needs to become in more enforcement than letting teachers and others parent your children because not all of them believe what, what should be believed. Number two is why does life have to be so hard? Well, number one, we live in the world. We have world standards, and it's all about self. So if we're not following the world standards and we're following Christian standards, then, of course, it's going to be hard. Um, the one of the things I was talking about was, you, you know, this, this being hard is you have to renew your mind daily. And he talked about in there in the Lord's prayer, it says, give us today our daily bread. He didn't say give us bread. He said, give us today our daily bread. And if you also looked at when they were wandering around in the desert, he gave them manna every day. He said, don't store up anything because it's going to go to waste. I will provide you daily what you need. So he's daily bread. It's just like what we have to have now. And he said, so in Romans 7.15, he says, I do not understand what I do for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, I do. So it's always, you know, like I said, we're in a battle with the flesh. The flesh always wants to do things uh, we know it's not always right, and sometimes we do it, especially if they cut you off and things. And I was one of those that the other day we're out Christmas shopping, and I was trying to beat the light, and guess what? I stopped traffic, and I had several hon horns honking at me and a few flyers out there. So, so they were they were not happy with what I did, and I was just trying to get out the way. Um, but also in Romans 7, 17, it says, as it, is, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is the sin living in me. So that's another reason we need to do it, strive every day, is, is we need to, um, if there's something in there, we need to confess it, get it out, you know, say, forgive me. And, and like I said, he forgets it. It's no longer. He doesn't keep a, a tabulation of, you know, how many times you sinned and it's gone. And in Galatians 5.17, it says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. So just remember, it's like when we get that Holy Spirit in there, you know, we're striving to do the one things, but the flesh doesn't want to do it. And the flesh strives to do one things, and the spirit reminds you that that's not what you're supposed to do. So we need to make sure that we're, we're working hard on that, you know, like I said, it is a hard struggle. Um, one thing that Jesus said is we were supposed to live a servant's lifestyle. He said we're, we're not, he did not come here to serve, but no, he came here to serve and not be served. And so he was humble about it. You know, I, I think, you know, as a king, that's probably one of the greatest uh, characteristics is to be humble before your people and know, and that should, that should be our government. And our government's not there for sure. You know, they're not definitely not humble uh, in, in serving what society, well, they are serving what society wants, but not what we should be doing. And it's all about themselves and, and what they can make. 
And it's, you know, like I said, it's evident and when you see what, what they're trying to pass and, and not take care of America when that's what we've selected them to be doing. Um, in Luke 18, 29 through 30, says, Truly I tell you, and this is what Jesus said to him, no one who has left home or, or wife or brother or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. So he's already said, you know, if you're got, you have the servant's heart, then it's going to come back to you. You may not see it now, but you're going to see it later on. And that was, you know, one thing that within children's ministry, and I'm sure Miss Brenda sees it, is that, you know, you see kids grow up and things that they do, and, and it's, you're awestruck on, on what can be done. And it's, it's, he's already said, you know, our children are going to dream dreams and do things greater than we ever thought. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's there, and it's their generation. And sometimes it takes their generations to get a hold of the generation and save those, those there, because they're not going to listen to us. And this is, um, this is also a physically and emotionally demanding process. You know, being a Christian, you know, like I said, you, you, you try to strive that walk, it can, it, it can be physically, you know, especially if you're being attacked by... Others, you know, you know, telling you that, you know, all oh, you Christians and, you know, you even get in your own families. And it, and it drains on you emotionally, but sometimes we just need to say no. And I compare it to as an um, uphill battle. You know, you're trying to get uphill and it keeps pushing and pushing. Or if you're swimming upstream, you know, the current's coming at you, but you're trying to swim upstream it makes it a whole lot harder. Because if I just turned around, I'd go pretty fast. And, but that's the same same way in life is, you know, if we turned around and just did what the world said, it would be, oh yeah, it'd be a whole lot easier. And, and we wouldn't have the benefits or the blessings that God has before us. Um, in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9, it says, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. You know, and they, and I, you know, that I've heard several um, worship songs that, that, uh, I think it's my Redeemer is one of them, and we're not. I mean, he has plans for us, plans for prosperity and not calamity, and, and it's going to come to pass. And, and, and Peter, 1 Peter 5 and 8 says, Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And um, you know, he said he's going to do everything to mess us up. Um, but, you know, that, that mess up that he's doing makes it a message or a testimony later on in life. And, you know, it may, may not come in our, our time frame, but God will use it to glorify his name. And then uh, how does God support our lives? Um, first off, it's the fruits of the Spirit. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And in 2 Corinthians 8, in 12, it says, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to, to what one has, not according to what one does not have. So, you know, like I said, you know, if, you know and, and you have to be careful when you pray for that because, you know, if you pray for patience, it may be a test not just giving you patience. Testing you, can you be patient? So uh, kindness, you know, same was just saying, you know, yeah, I, 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 when he said that, I was like, I could see that because nice is the wrapping on the outside. I can be nice and be very hateful just because that's an error. But if you're kind, that kindness that's one of the gifts of the Spirit changes your heart because, you know, you have to, you have to put an effort out there. Being nice to somebody, there's no effort. You can, you can put on the mask being nice and smile and, hey, you know, everything's good, you know, God bless you, you know, and you're thinking like, you know what, I'd just rather stomp you. But if you're kind, you're thinking, you know, I have to be nice, I have to be kind, what can I do for that person? And then sometimes, you know, when they're yelling at you or something and maybe waving the little flag that they fly out the window, you know, you have to say, God bless you, you know, keep on going. I mean, my reaction would be like, okay, it's like, how can I cut him off? Or, you know, as, as in the old CB days, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but truckers, you know, they, you get somebody to go in there, you get a few trucks on the road, they'll box you in. And they know how to take care of the situation because they can reach out in there. But, you know, 
we have to we have to learn to be kind sometimes and and make sure that it's it's a, a true-hearted kindness and not just a, a facial kindness um and i was talking about it says use our mess to make our message and testimony says, and some of these are, you think, well, I was saying them. But John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it in the full. So, yeah, we may have something going on and we're going through life and, and it's, it's hard. But you know what? That builds our character. It builds the testimony. And somebody here that comes walking in the door may need to hear that from somebody that, you know what? I'm not the only one out there that's living this life, and, and it's not a, you know, I'm struggling. And then, like I said, today, you know, we were talking back, you know, two different versions. We're struggling through the week or things went going on. One was like, well, I made it through the week, but it was still hard. But then one was easy going through the week. But, you know, Sammy could say, hey, you know, this is what I did this week. This is what made my life easy. Maybe that's something I need to try. So, you know, like I said, each one of us has something to give back to everybody else here. And that's what goes to my third one is iron sharpens iron. And that's our growth in being spirit-led. And Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Ephesians 6-12, it says, For our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but against the rulers, rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. And, you know, if you look at today, you know, we, we see the fight with Israel. And, you know, if, you, if you've researched any of that, Ishmael is the father of the Muslim nation. There are 12 tribes there, just like Isaac was, got that right, Isaac, or the father of Abraham was, was 12 tribes of Israel. So he was the blessing that was given to Abraham, but he also... When God, when he sent him away, God came to his, his mother and said, your son will be blessed. So you have two brothers fighting against themselves over in a country that should be united because they're the same. They're same. And, it's, and, and I've been overseas in the third world countries and every war I've been in, uh, when I was in Bosnia for a while, when I was in Iraq for a while, it's all about whose religion is more adept in there. And every time you've seen something going on, it was to shoot, kill, and destroy, to wipe them out. And that's, you know, I don't, you know, brothers today, you know, there have been brothers that says, you know, I'm better than you. And we saw it, Esau and Jacob, you know, one taking the birthright from the other one, and then eventually come back and ask for forgiveness, and they changed his name to Israel. So, you know, things, things change. So, we, you know, it's not just happening here, but it's happened long, long time ago. Uh, number four is, is what does the church, what does the church do to help? Number one, if you have a church that brings the truth, like our pastor, and, and, and I'm, I'm grateful for him, and he stands on that word, and he does not candy coat it, and he does not tickle my ear. He will reach into my mailbox or my email and put the foot in like nobody's business. And, you know, that's what the church needs. We don't need somebody up there saying, you know, hey, this is the way, you know, this is what you can do. Um, you know, they always, they, the, um, there's been several preachers out there. I've heard several ones that, you know, we have a right, you know, claim it, was it, believe it and claim it or whatever, you know, receive it. You know, yeah, there's some things that we can, but some things we have to work on as a church and, and, and be bring that truth. And it says, Philippians 1, 5, 15 through 18, is it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of the selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in the chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. So that was um, Paul being in prison in there. He says, as long as Christ is being preached, you know, we're, we need to, to up, uplift that. You know, and that's like I said, there's, there's 
people that do it standing on the truth, and then there's some that are selfish about it. You know, they still preach the word, and, and God's word is not going to come back void. If you're using the message, and God wrote it in, in the scriptures, and you're, you're spouting that scripture off, it's not going to come back void. Now, the heart of the person giving it, may, you know, like I said, is it, is it I'm doing this to boast myself, or am I doing it to, like our pastor does, is to bring our people up to where we need to be. Um, our church helps to edify. That's making Christians more of a natural, Christianity more of a natural living, living example. This is to instruct and improve spiritual growth each other through the truth. And, and one of the things I always look at is, you know what? As we age and our elders come through, they've lived their lives. Their lives have been a walk. And if we follow some of the examples that they walked, being, being true to what Christianity is, we can learn from that. There's a lot of people says, you know what, you know, hey, old fogey, you know, you don't know what you're talking about, but you have life lessons that you've learned. As we get older, we have more life lessons that we are learn. Um, you see it in marriages today. You know, back a long time ago, you know, you'd see 50 years or or longer or 30 years, and now it's like, you know, if I don't like you in a year, we're done. You know, they 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 don't want to have the struggles through marriage and, and things like that. I mean, and there are heartaches. I'm, you know, me and Amber are not on our first rodeo. We're on our second one. But we both said, you know, somebody's going to have to go in the grave for this one to end. And we've kept that as part of our deal. And I think a couple of times she was wanting to put me in that grave. So, but I said, you know, it was our tenacity to stay, you know, no matter what happened, you know, I'm not the best. And my kids will tell you I'm not the best. But, you know, like I said, we, we got to make those changes as we go through, and, and you have to strive to be that, that, that more perfect person. You're not going to be perfect, but you, you will strive to do there. And the church is a life system. Blessed to be a blessing is what I call it, living the Beatitudes. And if you've been in the Beatitudes, Mark five, Matthew 5, 3 through 12, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they will, they will see God. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Says, Blessed are you when people in, insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. He says, Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So we're not, we're not the first and we're not going to be the last. You know? and, and like I said, the, the more we become that that living system of Christianity, you know, showing, you know, um, you always think you have to know the word and everything else like that. And uh, I've talked to my, my, my testimony. I, I was a runner. You know, I, I grew up in the church. I knew words from the church. I mean, I had scriptures burning in my bones, but I ran. And when I finally got reunited back into Christianity, I was like Sammy's bonfire. You know, when he lit it up, it went crazy. And I did. I went, I mean, I was on fire. And I got knocked down a few pegs being on fire because, like I said, the persecution comes when you're really pursuing that. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, that age brings wisdom and I can be more uh, perceptive of what I put out there. In, in the military, we call it being tactful. And, you know, when you start sharing something that, that you, you can put it in a way and they can see that you are being truthful and humble about it, not just... just trying to tell them something. I'm not the Bible thumper, you know, trying to get them to change. Okay, so number five, so what can I do to know what God wants me to do in my life? And this is all, you know, why is it so hard to be a Christian? He says, number one, we need to read the Bible, be engaged in God's word, practical tools like devotionals, Bible reading plans, online studies, and the word your pastor preaches to you on Sundays. Continue to be saturated and drenched in God's word, which the Holy Spirit uses to change you into the image of Christ. 
So all that, all that we get going all the time, and I know, I know, I don't do it. You know, I got, I get busy with life, and I know I should be uh, in into the Word more. Um, I do have a lot of it in there, so God reminds me all the time that you know, if something's going on, I'll get scriptures pop into my head, and I'm like, okay, I, I get it, I get it. So um, I need to start meditating on those a lot more. Uh, we need to pray. This is the conversation with God that can take place anywhere. It's, it's not doesn't have to be formal prayer, um, but with God sitting right next to you. You know, you could just be talking to him, and, and he's there. You know, just like we talk to our own fathers and brothers and sisters and mothers, that's all you have to do is talk to him. It doesn't have to be some, whole, you know, oh, Lord, you know. So, in that, like I say, just... God, you know, it's like, I'm struggling today. This is, this is really beating me down. I, I, I do not know what to do. And that's when he takes control. And the Holy Spirit will intercede on your behalf. You know, sometimes we don't have the words to say and moanings and groanings. And, and one of the things that, and, and I know my wife um, disliked me there for a while. You know, when I got that bonfire in me, um, I went charging hell with the water pistol and I got knocked down but one of the things that came on and, and, and pastor talks about as prayer languages you know and I got and, and I was moaning and groaning I mean I had I got back from that trip out there on a, on a hill that I shouldn't have been on and I got whooped because you know I was, I was preaching in Jesus name but I wasn't quite there yet and the devil whooped up on me pretty good, and I had a fever of 104, I think it was, and was going to go, should have gone to the hospital. But after I got through with that night, I was refreshed because the inter interceding of the Spirit was there, and I didn't have a fever anymore, but, you know, I was speaking in a language that I didn't know, and I was, I was out of it. I'm telling you, I, I didn't know, but the groanings happened, and God, God put me where I needed to be, but then... As I spoke to my pastor the next day, he said, boy, he says, you don't go in that war by yourself. And so I, I learned real quick that you have to be a little bit more careful about what you do because if you ch challenge it with a water pistol, you're not going to put out too many fires. You need a big fire hose and a fire truck and a good team behind you. <clears throat> you also need a spear of influence and accountability. So that support Christian, the support of Christian community relationships with the believing friends you have. It's just take the initiative to connect with them, learn to ask each other the uncomfortable questions, uh, to keep and help each other to be accountable. The church is not a building on Sunday, but rather it's about the real relationships you have 24-7. So, you know, that's one thing you do. And, and I relate this to my dad, as my dad has a sphere of influence when he walks in, he, you know, he just can talk to people and, and understand, you know, he's been around, like I said, he's 85. And, you know, he's, he's been in the business for a long time. Engineering is his, his forte. And I, I swear, every time we get somebody come in there, they've got some kind of engineering thing, and he'll talk for hours and hours and hours. If it's not about engineering, it's about beekeeping, and he can talk hours and hours and hours about it. Um, so, and like I said, you build up a sphere of influence here. You know, each one, and, I, and that's why I love this church. It's because it's a family. I walked in the door, it felt like a family. And, you know, no matter what you're struggling with, you know, it seems like everybody's got your back. And that's what you, and I'm, I'll let you know, I've been a soldier for 26 years and I have your back. Ain't nobody gonna come in this place and take, take the people I love. So uh, I'm telling you right now that, you know, it's 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 good to have not only my my physical family but my spiritual family as well. So here are the I'm get, I've got to the keys now. So how can we have a more natural lifestyle? First, we need to have faith. We must believe it is not a required skill, an education, wealth, or a talent. That faith is just something, you know, we have to believe. And, in, and I think it's in Hebrews 1. It's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You know, that's, that's the faith. And, and even the apostle said, you know, when he was talking about it, he said, they asked, increase our faith. Because it is hard. 
you know, we have to, you know, when you're believing in something you can't see, you know, like I can, I can touch Sammy, I can touch Roger, I can see everybody here, I can believe that's going on. But when you say, you know, there's an invisible God, and that's the way the Jews were, there's an invisible God, why do you believe so much? Daniel did it and believed, and he went through the fiery furnace, the lion's den, and everything else he had to struggle with. But that's that faith. Romans 10.10 says, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And in 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Um, that, that, you know, that we have to look at, you know, he changed us, not from the person we were, but we are in, in, as new creation. We don't physically change. Our, our, our heart changes because, like I said, we, we've moved on from being a hater of, of, of people to, you know, we have to be the lover of people. And like I said, sometimes it doesn't come across that way when we're, when we're dealing with people. But that's, that's, like I said, we have to have our faith that when, if we speak the word, it's going to come about. You may say something to somebody and not see it, <clears throat> but later on in life, it may come about, and then as we get into the glory of heaven, you know, you're going to get up there one day, and, and that one person that you may have said something to said, you know what, you may not have seen it, but you changed my life. And through that change, you know, I, I don't know if y'all remember the, the hair commercial, you know, it says, you know, she goes, and, and they told one friend, and so on, and so on, and so on. Guess what? When you get to heaven, you told that one person, they got saved. You may not have seen it. At that time, but that, that seed was planted, well, guess what? Every seed that he plants is part of your treasure in heaven because that, that seed you planted that got saved now saves somebody else and so on and so on and so on. So you may have millions of people up there one day come up to you and say, just because of that one word you said, save me. So, you know, you don't know what you, you've touched. So have that faith that, you know, you put the word out there, you spoke it, that God that settles it, whatever happens is, is between you and him, but the seed has been planted. <clears throat> Guess what? God is seeking you. It is not what you have. God doesn't need your money, possessions, or anything else. He is seeking you. He's looking for a vessel. And John 1, 12 says, but whoever did want him, who believed he was who he claimed and would do what he said, he made to be their true selves, their child of God's selves. And Matthew 16, 24 says, Jesus said to the disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 14, he says, now I'm ready to visit you for the third time and I will not be a burden to you because what I want is not your possessions, but you. After all, children should not have to save up for their parents, but the parents for their children. So he is making us a place up there with pearly gates, gold streets that are so translucent, mansions up there. And, and Amber says, I don't get to stay in hers, but you know what? They, they make us as one and we're going to be in the same mansion. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, I always tease her about that. And, you know, being married to her, we become one flesh. And so we're going to be in the same mansion. So... <clears throat> Number three, his yoke is easy. Now get this, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. This is when we do it, we make it difficult. We try to take on the burden ourselves or the yoke of ourselves, we always make it more difficult. And he says, uh, Galatians 5.1 is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened in again by a yoke of slavery. And we put ourselves on those chains. You know, when we say break those chains and all the sins that we've had, you know, we can, all we got to do is, is Jesus. That's, sometimes that's all it takes is Jesus, and then he knows. But you've called him to say, hey, take this. And in Matthew eleven thirty 30 says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we've got to remember that it's his yoke and his burdens are easy and light. And, and like I said, not do it ourselves. Number four is, is we need to listen and learn. That's what brings us to maturity. In Luke 10, 
38 through 42, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that has to be made. Sounds like some of us, right? We're trying to get those preparations done. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work myself? And uh, tell her to help me. He said, Martha, Martha. He says, you are the worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it would be taken away. It will not be taken away from her. So we're talking about listening. So you know, even even when we have times, you know, sometimes you know we get in a rush and Lord, I need help now, and and this and that. And sometimes we just need to listen. You know, He may be trying to give us answer, but He is a true gentleman. He's not going to sit there and lightning strike us, or at least I hope not. You know, but He He's going to definitely give us an answer, and sometimes it's no. Or, or, or not now. And then the last thing, uh, number five, is remain in him. And I'm talking about God. It says you do not have to change to receive, but just be obedient. Change will come. And I think that's where a lot of us, you know, like I said, you know, I refer to that Jesus revolution. You know, whether they come in in shorts, T-shirt, you know, long hair, we don't know what they're going through. Uh, they may need a lifestyle change. But, you know, that's God's decision to do. We just need to plant that seed, you know, and that seed's going to grow and later on. And um, it, it was kind of funny because all this stuff I was going through, I uh, saw a little video on, on Facebook, and it was a, a homosexual man says he's not gay anymore. He was a black guy in a black church. He says, I'm not gay. You know, he's, first he spoke, says, I'm not gay anymore. He says, I like women. And he started speaking in a deep voice like, oh, black pastors and he's talking about I love women so but I mean let you know we don't have to clean up ourselves you know and that's what we think is oh I need to you know and that maybe that's what society's put on there it's like oh if you come to church you need to be in you know a suit and a tie and all this kind of stuff and people think well I don't have a suit and a tie so I can't go to church well no you just come to church and God will clean up the mess and he's gonna make that message that you're going to be able to talk to somebody, you know, that needs to hear it from you. And in 1 Corinthians 6.20, it says, You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. Hebrews 4.11, it says, Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. And in 1 Corinthians 7, 24, as brothers and sisters, each person as responsible to God should remain in the situation that they were in when God called them. So you know how it was when you got called. You were a mess. Remember that they're coming in the same way and we need to, to help them. That's what that edification, come, you know, like I said, we, we talk about what the church can do is we can edify and, and live the life that we're supposed to live and, and be that blessing to them, um, that's what makes the change. And I said, Lord knows that, that a lot of, the, a lot of the, the people out there need it. And it may be just your walk through Walmart, seeing something, or uh, maybe just saying a kind word to somebody. It may be somebody at your work. Um, it may be somebody here in the church is watching you, and they're trying to make that decision. And, you know, as, we, as we're a family here and bring those people in. Yeah, you know, sometimes it doesn't feel like, oh man, it's like we're, we're so small and, you know, look at that parking lot over at the, the country church. But you know, like I said, are they getting the tickled ear or are they getting the, the truth and stomped on you, you know? And I'd prefer to be small and getting the stomped on and, and living the truth every day than, than get my ears tickled and... and just say, oh, man, I feel better now. That's, you know, I don't have to worry about it because I'm, I'm a good person. But, you know, like I said, it takes more than just being a good person. So with that, hopefully you'll, you, you've got a little understanding why is it so hard to be a Christian. Um, it's really not if God's in control. We just need to step out of the way sometime and let him take the steering wheel and let him drive and not us. Um, don't be the backseat driver sometimes. 
you know, and, and like I said, sometimes the journey is just, just as well. And like I said, you know, takes you different places. And um, I, I know I always tease Amber, I'm, I'm going to get me another motorcycle one day. But like I said, being on that motorcycle, just, I know there's something about it. It just changes things. And even in your car, I mean, where they used to take drives on the, the beach and, and certain highways just to go drive. And, you know, just being away and, and you know, seeing what's around you. And, we, and, and that's one of the things we talk in beekeeping. You know, it's like everybody that doesn't know about bees has a tunnel vision about bees. But we're there to expand what you understand because it's not just about the bees. It's about flowers and, and all the other stuff, too. So, you know, we want to, you know, make sure you understand more than just the yellow stripe down the road is look around you, you know. All right. If you need prayer and stuff, like I said, we have plenty of people here that if you pray for you, like I said, keep lifting up our fellow families that are running through this COVID sickness and flus and things that are going around because we definitely don't need it uh, in our church. And, and, and then, like I said, pray for the seats in here in the, in the congregation that will fill this place. And I, I think that, that eventually, and, and I keep praying it, that I think revival is going to break out in these smaller churches more than these big churches. And, and we're going to be overflowing one day, and, and it's, it's, things are going to have to change. We've got plenty of acreage back here to make the change. So, Thank you.